Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books Network. I'm Tiad Sulongkomer, the host of this channel, and today I am here with Professor Gavilan to talk about uh, the book uh, The Future of Religious Studies in India. And this is written by Professor Gavilan along with uh, other two contributors. So I think uh, when I first saw the title of the book, it, the title of the book itself was quite interesting to me because uh, coming from uh, um, uh, area of study, the anthropology of religion, and you know, being interested in religion, I am also very much interested about how the religious discourse and studies go about in India, and also I'm also concerned about it. So I think this is something which we need to talk about. Also, at the same time, we need to. Re- there's a long way ahead in India for this area to develop and really uh, talk about and deba- to be debated about and to also the, for departments to be opened up and, you know, uh, in universities. So I think this is a very interesting topic and a very uh, good book that uh, the authors have written. And then, you know, it's a, a starter, a discussion starter where uh, all these resources have been brought down up. In a, in a book. So I think uh, this conversation is going also going to be an, a very interesting one. So, Professor um, uh, Gavilin, uh, tell me something about yourself and the other two contributors here. So first of all, uh, Sarah, thank you very much for inviting me to this uh, program. And actually, the book is a fruit of... Uh, say, a network of scholars meeting from Sweden and India. So if you look into the book, you will see it wider than the, say, the three main authors on the front page. You will see beneath contributors, you will see Asha Mukherjee from uh, Vishwabharati, uh, Ruby Sain from Yadapur and so on. And these are not all people that have been, uh, say, influential in the formation of say, the discussion, the discourse that eventually got into this uh, book. So I will take the opportunity to thank everyone uh, that's been part of this larger research project and also a cooperation project where we took students to India many times and all these discussions and conversations that are behind this uh, this book. Uh, 
So my, my background is that I did my PhD in history of religions in Vedic religion, which means, of course, studying Sanskrit and old texts. Um, uh, so it was a classical history of religions dissertation. But then the, uh, the reality after doing that is, of course, you have to teach much, much broad, more broadly. Um, I taught like Chinese religions, Japanese religions, Sami religion, a lot of theory and method courses. So then, the, of course, the, the discussion and the thinking what is religious studies? What are we doing? And especially when you look at the department in Sweden and also in Norway, where I went to work after my dissertation, you see that there are some differences in Scandinavia. But when you go to India, you see that the differences are huge in the understanding of what is religion, what is, this, how, what is the study of religion, what should its role and place be. And when you start to compare have comparative perspectives on that, you also start to understand how culturally indebted the structure and the study of religion is in your particular uh, part of the world, so to speak. Uh, and that I found very interesting. And to have, have this conversation with Indian scholars on religious studies and, st and going back and forth between Scandinavia and India, of course, massive contrasts there. So uh, I, I'm happy that this book actually, actually eventually uh, was published. And the idea, the main idea is here to lay a foundation for a discussion about religious studies in India. Um, so, but then, of course, the COVID, precisely when it's the, the Western edition was finished, uh, the COVID crisis hit. So it was very difficult to come to India to, and to have kind of follow-up discussions about uh, uh, the results and to interact with scholars in India about what is written in, in this book. I Hopefully that will open up now. We can be able to do that. Yeah, and I think interestingly, this podcast will help in that follow-up conversation also because I'm sure many people will be listening to this one. So uh, coming to the next one, about the book, I'm sure uh, you have told me that this book is a contribution of scholarly co uh, conversation with many scholars from India and abroad. So uh, how did uh, this, uh, you and the other scholars, this conversation happen? And how did this book come together in terms of that conversation happening? Yeah. So uh, it began as a, as a cooperation program, a larger cooperation program where uh, Professor Okasander is also uh, named as uh, an author of the book, and me went went to India s several times, and slowly we got into contact with scholars uh, in the in a few places in India who actually were building up religious studies or doing religious studies in, uh, like in Varanasi, in, uh, in West Bengal, or in Pondicherry, so very different places in in India to see how they were building it up. So it was in this, this network, as I said, that this book came about. But then, of course, at some point, you must sit down and actually write the text. So, um, and then you have to decide what, what to include and what to not, uh, not include. So in this book, it consists of different parts. Uh, so we have um, uh, a first part that is more general 
about religious studies, definition of religion, and so on, because we hope that scholars, interested uh, people generally interested in religion and education, would like to read it, and then you need that uh, general discussion before coming to in the second part, India and the study of religion, which lays the foundation for the third part of the book, which is pointing to different possible ways how religious studies in India can be uh, developed. And um, for me, it was especially interesting to, to see, uh, uh, to look more uh, deeply into the pioneers in India, uh, like Tagore, Malaviya, and so on, who were thinking about the, the nation of India, thinking about the independence, the formation of citizens, Indian citizens, and the role of religion, spirituality, and education. And also, these, um, uh, these uh, education commissions, the Radha Krishnan report, for example, the ideas about religious studies that were put forward in those were very interesting but they were never actually widely put into, uh, say, in, into practice. So there is a kind of, therefore, the historical part is uh, is crucial because there are these ideas. Of course, in Chantiniketan, uh, Tagore's idea is uh, manifested in the study of religion. But they they were they were yeah. ideas for the whole of India, so to speak. And interestingly, towards the end of writing the, this book, the, 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 say the, the proposal for new education policy was uh, present in India. And then when the book was finished, uh, it was uh, decided upon and is now implemented. So that was interesting to see this, uh, to read these education commissions, they suggested and see what could correspond to that in this new ed- national education? Yeah, and that is a good elaboration on the um, book itself and also the contents of the book. And uh, it's also quite interesting to note that um, it is the book that has come together because of the scholarly discourse that had happened. Uh, and I think uh, so, this book has uh, three parts. So we will be digging into some of the aspects that are there in the book. So uh, the first question I think um, I would like to ask about the contents of the book itself is uh, basing on the first chapter that is on the the title of the chapter is on our understanding of religion. So, I mean, currently I have been talking so much about religion and I've been reading so much about religion and, you know, there has been so many debates about what religion is. So, uh, what is um, the contributor's understanding of religion here in this very work? Yeah. So, of course, when it's collaborative work like this, uh, uh, it's not just... It's not my view, so to speak. It's uh, different collaborators, their views that are uh, coming together into uh, an understanding of, uh, in, in, for example, this uh, what is presented here. As in, you can see that the uh, phenomenological uh, tradition is important for the understanding uh, of, of, of religion and that the Say a supernatural referent is is essential. Uh, say the metaphysical uh, 
connection is, is essential for uh, what is religion, but also the religion as a way of life is uh, uh, described, for example. So uh, I'm looking. So you can see, for example, on in, I have the Indian edition in front of me. So, for example, on uh, page 26, you can see a, a quote from Alfred Schütz, for example. So, uh, yeah, I would say bro broadly, a phenomenological approach would be dominant, dominant here. Yes, um, interesting uh, that the uh, dominant approach is a phenomenological approach. And, um, you know, so um, the next question will be uh, corresponding to the chapter two of uh, what is religious studies? Uh, I mean, what really is this field of religious studies is all about? Yeah. Yeah, what is religious studies? That's a good question. <laughs> In a way, that's, that's what the whole book is about because... Uh, you can lay down, like in these preparatory uh, chapters, some uh, fundamental uh, characteristics of religious studies uh, in the West, different varieties of religious studies, and different understandings of it. But when it comes to when it comes to discussion of religious studies in India, uh, the most important or most more interesting uh, part, I think, is what should or would or could religious studies mean in India? Of course, because you can, you can the general idea about religious studies is, is of course to have a non-confessional so not based on a particular religion, a kind of general uh, theoretically informed empirically oriented study of different religious traditions that does not take any one tradition for uh, for granted or as as true that would be kind of a general idea of uh, religious studies but what does that mean in india what but then when you look at what does that mean in Varanasi, in the philosophy of religion or what does it mean in uh, west bengal in Pythagoras idea what does it mean when you only have Sikh studies or jain studies um, when it's divided up like uh, like that, I, I think I think that's the, that's the more interesting uh, questions for this book. The, the, these preparatory chapters more give kind of a general uh, overview. What, uh, for example, how religious studies has been understood. Uh, for example, as, as I said. Uh, history of religions, phenomenology of religion, sociology of religion, different approaches within sociology of religion. That, that, that kind of, it gives a, a general overview, but that is not, as we say, the most original part of this, uh, of this book, that, that you could find all of that in other, other books, so to speak. It's included here to give a kind of, background is something to argue with, uh, especially in contexts in India where you don't have religious studies, where this could be, let's say, more unknown than it would be among religious studies scholars in Sweden or, or Norway, for example. Mm, yeah, 
interesting. Uh, even the question of religious study in terms of the Indian context is kind of uh, diverse in that sense. Uh, so uh, that is where we also come to the uh, second part of the chapter where uh, the contributors uh, talk about the Indian uh, India and the study of religion. So, uh, you know, mm. coming to the pre uh, pre-colonial, right? Uh, there were thinkers and there were uh, religious practitioners, and there were people who were teaching about techniques of studying and you know, uh, you know, trying to understand religion. So, what what were some of these uh, techniques, and so what were some of these way in which these religious uh, ways or religious teachings were passed down? Yeah. So, if you're thinking of uh, say pre-modern, pre-modern uh, forms of uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call it religious studies in, in that modern understanding. But of course, you have traditions that reflect upon their own teachings, and you have schools within that will debate with, like Buddhist schools, debating with with each other. And there will also uh, be some rela- understandings and relations to other traditions. But you won't find this modern idea of religion as a neutral container for all these different ways of relating to something supernatural, so so to speak. You will be within a tradition that uh, have often a soteriological goal, for example. And uh, so I I think uh, the the most interesting thing is, of course, the interesting period is when during the colonial uh, period when the ideas about education, the the fight, the different varieties of how to do higher uh, education in India during the 19th century, when you have the Anglicists and you you have the Orientalists and these kinds of, and and towards the end of the 19th century where the uh, the emancipation of India becomes stronger and stronger in that discourse. And, and then in the beginning of the 20th century, you have thinkers that actually imagine uh, different kinds of study of religion within higher education. Yeah, and I, yeah, 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 carry on, like carry on. Yeah, yeah, carry on. Sure. Like, for example, uh, in, in uh, at Banaras Hindu University, where um, Malavia's idea and thinking about the university centrally included the study of a relationship to religion, but then not only religion. And that's an important point in this book, I think, is that it's connected to forming good Indian citizens. So this formation aspect of the studying of religion, not just a neutral cataloging and uh, explanation of the relationship between religion and society and so on. Uh, But that's why this, uh, on page 76, has this uh, subheading of forming Hindu men of high character. And that comes again and again in different uh, different aspects. And of course, you, you get this. Then you come into the controversy about religious studies. Should it just be a scientific, neutral study of uh, different religious phenomena, 
or does it include normative concerns about forming a good society or in this case uh, good men and and uh, and women and uh, i when you look more closely at religious studies in different countries one sees of course these knowledge interests that that governs and controls uh, it, it to to a large extent it could be this the secular state has an interest in religious studies uh, like in Sweden and in Norway, but not in India. The secularity in India has been much more excluding of religious studies uh, within oh. higher education, while uh, while um, religion has declined very much in the Scandinavian countries. Religion is still a forceful factor in the Indian society. So there are interesting differences is how you construct secularity and how religious studies is supposed to relate to that understanding of secularity. So an important part in this second uh, part is, of course, that this, these ideas expressed by Tagore, Malavilla, found in the education commissions, were kind of... Uh, didn't come to fruition due to a very strong discourse of secularity that uh, kind of neutralized neutralized them, yeah. so to speak. And I think adding to that one also, the book also kind of uh, talks about the different notions of the um, uh, education of, I mean, how religion should be taught and, you know, how religion should be understood in terms of Nehru, Ambedkar, Gandhi, Tagore, Radhakrishna, and all those people had uh, their own visions of how this, um, the, the discourse on religion would have to carry out and all of those aspects. So I think this book does a very good job on bringing their views together and then also, you know, um, arguing in, the, in terms of the contemporary context. So I think that is also something which I was quite uh, interested in, that was quite interesting in the book itself where this discussion goes on and they think that is quite interesting. So um, the... The, the, the chapter four talks about this uh, sociology. I mean, and uh, in terms of uh, while you were all discussing about the um, religious studies in India, the field of sociology come, uh, came into place. So uh, what is the significance of the sociology in the, in the sense of uh, religious studies in India? Because uh, the, the chapter was about, you know, the discipline of sociology and how it put forward uh, certain uh, religious study departments uh, through certain scholars. And also, yeah, the significance of soci sociology, how does this comes here in terms of Indian context? Yeah. Like, like in the West, uh, you have, on the one hand, a more humanistic-oriented study of religion where there is this idea that uh, the religions contain a sort of wisdom that you can be inspired by and build your character and so on. For, for a, a discipline like sociology of religion, that is not the primary concern. The primary concern is connected to the, uh, the modern secular mm -hmm. state. and uh, it's a knowledge interest of that modern secular state to have knowledge about different religions in society, to understand them and understand them primarily in relationship to modernity. And of course, then you come into this uh, well-known story about the secularization thesis that sociologists of religions were thinking that religion would wither away with increasing modernization and then the crisis for this 
this thesis and reformulation by other scholars and so on. Um, but at least the connection between modernization and re uh, decrease of religion is not that uh, strong any longer, you could say. But historically, that has been the, the, the case. So sociology would point towards a fully modern uh, society as a, as a discipline. So it's a very different viewpoint toward religion from sociology compared with, like, for example, philological studies of Buddhist texts within the humanities. Where you carefully read each sentence, each sound, because they, you think they have something to say. Otherwise, it would be a giant waste of resources. Uh, in a way, if it has nothing to say, at least. You, sometimes you hear it's just purely historical reasons, but you will often see uh, in the personal lives of scholars and also institutions this is intertwined. So it's a very different perspective. Uh, in sociology religion, you will also often get uh, hard critique of religion, of the role of religion in society. Um, but you could take, as, as being uh, seen as sociology of religion, for example, uh, for example, sociology of religion as part of uh, sociology in Pondicherry, the Suda, uh, Professor Suda Sitaraman has been developing that. Uh, and that's been done She's been doing that with a positive view towards, not to not say a very negative uh, uh, view of religion. So in, in that case, they could grow uh, a broader study of the study of religion within, within sociology, so to, so to speak. But uh, I remember the first time we had a conference in, I think it was Jadapur in West Bengal, when we came, somebody has put up large posters all around uh, the lecture hall about how horrible religion was. Uh, so I, I don't know. It was some kind of uh, Marxist uh, protest against that we would, there would be a conference on uh, on religion. So you can find this is a very hard critique of religion. Uh, could be within sociology of religion, for example, or it could be more neutral approach or even appreciative uh, approach. But mostly it will be focused on on the relationship between modernity, religion, and uh, modern national state. Yeah, I think that's a uh, that's a good um, take and explanation on the sociology of religion and its significance uh, in India itself. Uh, when you when we look at historically also, and the book uh, also goes into um, detailed discourse on the secularization thesis in India, right? And uh, why that secularization thesis uh, failed in India, and you know what are some of the economic and you know what are some of the psychological factors and all of those aspects. I think the uh, book does a good job in kind of uh, having a discourse on that aspect of secularization thesis in India, but but uh, also while coming to chapter five, that is the post secular India, right? Uh, while coming to post secular India, then now um, the the kind of uh, talk about the book goes into the very uh, th th there is this section where um, the contributors talk about the religion of middle class, and I think. Uh, that that the religion of middle class and this uh, emergence of this kind of uh, you know a form of religious practices and beliefs, I think that that is something quite interesting in terms of the Indian context. So can you tell me something about this one? 
the religion of the middle class. So it's dependent upon that you have a growth of a middle class that will have resources to, what to say, to consume, to finance, rather to, to uh, satisfy different preferences for religions. You, then you create a, a market for religion for this uh, uh, this middle class, and that that will be different from if you are within a very say circumscribed traditional community where the religion will be given, so to speak, uh, within that village or, or community. It's, it's more similar to that you can choose between different forms of, uh, say, religious uh, expressions or, or similar things. So if you're with the growth of a middle class, you also get the growth of this uh, Phenomenon, so to speak. So, um, and where where that will go and what will happen, of course, I don't know. Uh, but it's, as you say, it's an interesting development. And one can look into the different characteristics of uh, this kind of religion and compare it with other types of religion on a more general general uh, general character. Characteristics, but it also depends, of course, <laughs> is the middle class growing or shrinking, or uh, what is happening? What is happening with globalization now in the COVID situation? Um, all these things are difficult to to pinpoint into the into the future. But here in, in this chapter, it's included because this is something that could be important for. Uh, this is important, of course, for development of religious forms in India, but could also be important for the kinds of uh, studies of religion that you would need, so, like uh, philological studies of religion would won't capture this new phenomenon. And maybe you could do it within sociology of religion, but uh, to just uh, point back to that, Often it's the case that you have a department with rather many scholars, but it will only be one or two that have this interest in sociology of religion. Um, so you would need you would need more people working together in a, and that would we would perhaps talk about when we come to the third part, a department or a center for uh, religious studies. Yeah, and coming to the Indian context, how historically the trajectory of um, the discourse on religion has taken place and all, all of this aspect, I think when we talk about the secularization thesis and also talk about the uh, post-secular India, I think uh, the emergence of this uh, middle-class religion and all of those aspects are quite interesting in that sense. In India, the talk about religion is always in the surface, right? Uh, it's always in the surface also. But at the same time, you can see an aspect of where religion is also something which kind of, um, you know, slips through the people's mind in the, in the sense of, you know, there is certain form of uh, misunderstanding of the other in that sense. Uh, and this misunderstanding of the other is not only about, you know, uh, doctrinal misunderstanding, but also, uh, you know, 
or misadjustment, not only in terms of doctrinal, but also in terms of the economy, political, and all of those aspects that are there. So religion, even though religion in India has always been in the surface, I think there are some nuanced aspects that needs to be really uh, being put forward and, you know, talked about and, and debated and all of those aspects. So I think the this very emergence of this middle class in that sense through economic and through certain uh, political factors is something uh, quite interesting in the trajectory of Indian discourse in uh, of of religion in India is itself is concerned. So I think that aspect itself is quite interesting in that sense. So uh, you know, let's move to the uh, last chapter where this last chapter talks about uh, the the very idea of uh, how religious study should or how religious religious discourse should take place in India, India especially in the Indian uh, universities or colleges or in the higher education. Um, higher educational places so what are some of the um, you know ways that uh, the contributors proposes here yeah so in the part three we we sketch different possibilities and of different options because we don't want to close down say there is only one way to do to develop religious studies in india uh, of course india is a, a continent in that sense it, it probably it needs to be developed in many different ways. At least we try to push for one model which we think would be beneficial if there could be separate centers for the study of religion that could combine uh, perspectives from the humanities and from the social sciences. Because we think it's unlucky if it's only you know, sociology of religion or if it's only the study of uh, ancient uh, texts, but these approaches uh, need to come together, so you can both look at the, what is actually what what kind of processes of religious change is happening right now in India. How are you to understand that from a deep history of 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 religion? Uh, so, so that 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 would be, of course, a dream scenario. If uh, there would be a a number of such centers that would also contribute to the forming of a strong sense of a discipline uh, or at least a field of studies. Uh, but we realize, of course, that uh, this perhaps will not come about uh, in the near future. And then we could see you could have centers that is you know, separate centers. So what, one type of center would be more focused on social sciences approaches to the study of religion. And the other would be more humanities-focused uh, uh, studies. And uh, the third option would be then, as it is now, kind of religious studies dispersed within different subjects. Um, like, for example, Jain studies at one place, as uh, uh, in your case, anthropology, where somebody would do a PhD on religion, or somebody within sociology religion will be it will be one course and then somebody will do a research project on it so you find it in many different um many different disciplines and then of course the, the question becomes what what unites all these approaches because is it a modern understanding of religion isn't that concept kind of a western construction that has been imposed on the relig- uh, indian cultural way of life, spiritual, religious uh, reality. Um, 
and so uh, so on. So, so there are these different uh, ways uh, to take. And behind a lot of problems with this, of course, is a strong sense of secularity and a f- also a fear that religion, were, a study of religion, would lead to kind of civilizational clashes. Uh, and so on. So we, we try to make a strong argument for that religious studies need to contain uh, a dimension of a world citizen pers- perspective. So you should not just study the local religions of your area, your region, your state, nation, uh, South Asia, and so on. You should also study it as a world citizen. So then you have to relate to the religions and spiritualities of other cultures, of other corners of the uh, of, of of the globe. So therefore, this comparative perspective is important for to take that that step. But we try at the same time to argue that a rootedness in your own tradition, where where you stand, is as important as this global citizen approach. Because if you don't know where you stand, and you're just a global citizen, you will, you will lack a, a strong foundation. It will be superficial, most probably. So they try to combine this, and you can see that it's, it's similar, like combining aspects from the humanities and the social science. You have to combine the local with the global. And for that purpose, it's uh, important that religious studies contains uh, a um, strong discourse of theoretical approaches, which is on a more higher general level, as well as very specific uh, studies of, like, for example, middle-class religiosity in in Karnataka or something like that. Yeah, and in India, as you have also pointed out, uh, the very dissected nature of studying particular tradition and religion is something qu- quite good in itself because you, uh, if you want to, you know, um, s- study, let's say, know about Christianity, then you'll have to go to a Christian institute, right? You can't go to, a, a, let's say, a central university and learn about the, the Christianity there because there is no program as such in any of, of the universities. So I think uh, that itself is good in that way. But also at the same time, as you have also mentioned, there needs to be a way where all this comes together and then have dialogues and also exchange material and you know that global aspect right and the humanitarian aspect is something which needs to be uh, quite put forward in the Indian context and I think uh, that needs to be put forward in a very uh, in a very well thought and very well uh, with a very well thought process and you know very well thought process of how we need to carry out with all of those aspects so I think that is something which in in India is still a fertile ground in that sense in terms of uh, you know coming out the centers of religious studies or religious studies where we can come and then you know uh, learn about the different diverse religions and the diverse uh, traditions that are there. So I think that is something, as, as you have also mentioned, that is a very fertile crown in India, which needs to be really worked out and where scholars need to come together, you know, and have uh, discussions and, you know, uh, share materials and visions and all of those aspects. So I think that's uh, quite interesting that it, aspect that is there about India. So any... Um, Anything that you want to share about the book uh, that we haven't covered in our conversation thus far? What what I would like most to share is this uh, hope that it will lead to a 
discussion, a discourse on religious studies uh, in India. That's the primary, as you say, goal of the, the study, besides being a showing uh, the results of this uh, network of uh, scholars uh, interacting for many, many years, the fruits of that interaction. But uh, I really want to pinpoint that, that that would be the most interesting result of this. And then using the book to see that you need to be both local and have a world citizens approach. You need to address both the humanities and the social sciences. You need to present factual basis, what is happening with the different religions, but you also need to address somehow the normative concerns of forming good persons, especially if you work towards schools um, and, the, and the school system in, in, in some form. So it's a lot of balancing acts you need to do um, and and those that kind of balance balancing uh, would be very interesting to see how Indian scholars uh, and those engaged in their higher education would think about and probably it will be very different in different parts of uh, different parts of India yeah and as you have mentioned uh, you said because of the corona the conversation on this very book could on go further in terms of the uh, in terms of coming to india and you know interacting with the indian scholars and the uh, you know the scholars coming together scholarly community coming together so what are some of the future plans that uh, that you have or the team uh, the the scholars the team of scholars have for the very um, this kind of discourse to happen or what are some of the projects that are coming up or any discussion that are going on yeah i think i think we are we have not really begun to uh, discuss concrete things because that's not been possible we are still in the middle of this uh, crisis so to speak but perhaps now there are opening up uh, possibilities and then we could start to plan something uh, where we could meet in person. Of course, it's great, like we are doing now, using the modern technology and so on for uh, uh, recordings, discussions, and so on. But it is when it's, when it's about a particular nation, a particular circumstances, it, it is very different to be on the ground, uh, so to speak. So my, you could see at least my wish and my hope would be for a conference that would discuss things in this book. People coming from many different perspectives and uh, we could have a fruitful discussion. We will not agree on things, but we will have different viewpoints and uh, th that would be the dream. Somewhere in India, we, we could do that. Yeah. That, that would uh, be great. So, Professor Kevlin, um, I have, um, you know, you have told me that you are tackling between two universities. So, what are your future projects and plans, your personal future projects and plans? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, a period between projects uh, in, in the way that... Uh, I've finished like this book. I've been part of finishing that, and I'm thinking about what what direction I should proceed. But I, I've, I've written right now, I've written a kind of introduction to the phenomenon of sacrifice. Uh, after finishing that, and I 
think for me, this basic uh, phenomena that are common to many religions that interests me in a very particular way. So I would like to continue longer, but, but I'm not really sure exactly um, how I would proceed. So I'm in a, in a period where I'm thinking over different possibilities, and uh, we'll see what happens next yeah. year. Yeah, that's uh, really quite interesting. So do the listeners out there, I think this uh, book is worth getting and going through because um, there are so many discussions about the Indian context uh, in, in terms of its uh, discourse on religion. And I think uh, there are many things that ought to be thought about by the scholars of religion or scholars in general in India. So I think I would make this also as a call to the oldest scholars in India who are studying religion that I think we need to form a network, right? And to, to form a network and come together and discuss about all of these aspects in the Indian context itself and bring out our own way of doing or studying religion. And I think this is something uh, which is, as we have talked about, a fertile ground in India and that we need to carry on this work forward with a, a greater vision uh, that is being portrayed in the, in the book itself and also for India as a whole. So I think uh, this has been a really good conversation, Professor Gavlin, and thank you so much for being here in New Books Network. And I hope you uh, do well in your future endeavors and do take care, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on the program.